This is an ABC podcast. Yakwit. Yakwit. Maluambula. Greetings and welcome. Thank you all very, very much for being here. I welcome you all very, very warmly, every single one of you. Thank you again for taking time to be here. Tonight, we're joining together in a celebration of joy, celebrating the meeting of at least two cultures. This speaker stands at the front of an open-air venue in Majuro, Marshall Islands. The room is packed with people. There are tables and tables of guests. It's a big gathering. Two men walk behind the speaker carrying a huge five-tiered cake. But this isn't a wedding or an anniversary or even a baptism. It's a birthday. But it's not just any birthday. It's the most important birthday in Marshallese culture. And it's one the birthday boy probably won't even remember. The first birthday, also known as the Kemam. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about why the Kemam is so important in the Marshall Islands and what traditions mothers follow in the first weeks and months of their baby's life. Vivian Koroi Vulaono elder Kemam for her son, Christian John, in 2021. I think there's quite a few of us here with some dancing shoes on. We normally put on a little bit of entertainment for you. So tonight, to open up the entertainment program, please join me in welcoming the superheroes called the Black Panthers of Lamui Corner. There was a lineup of dancers and music. It is up to the parents on whether or not they want a DJ or a live band. Uh, for my son, we did um, DJ just because it would be cheaper. <laughs> you might have already guessed that a party like this takes a lot of effort to organize. Planning a KMM is uh, very stressful. I would like to say that first and foremost. Usually we would have a family, an intermediate family meeting, and there would be a theme selected. So for my eldest boy, his uh, KMM theme were, was superheroes. Uh, my side, the mother's side, would decide what would they um, volunteer or what kind of uh, tasks they're willing to take on or if they could ask our extended family to also lend a hand. It's the same way for both sides, actually. So my parents knew friends here to ask for the venue for my son's Cayman. So I'm married to a Fijian, and there's quite a Fijian community here. Uh, my husband's side, they would do the... The Fijian community would assist in cooking the food, prepping the food, and along with providing rides or assisting a lending hand, basically, to help serve the food. Um, that was the same with my extended family. They offered to 
help cook the food as well and also extend a, lend, uh, a helping hand. Yeah, and we had to plan for decorations. We had uh, like little party favors on the tables and such for people to uh, grab and go. It, <laughs> Providing gifts for the guests is a big part of the Kemem celebration. Vivian says they can be anything from fans to blankets to towels. We also had uh, birthday t-shirts. That's also a normal thing when it comes to Kemems. The popular style is to have the baby's face on the t-shirt with a happy first birthday. But... Um, <laughs> From experience, uh, sometimes those who were invited, they would get T-shirts and then those invitees, family or friends would take that T-shirt. So you would see a random stranger with a picture of the of your baby oh, no. and the happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So what, yeah, so what my husband and I uh, decided was because our son's uh, theme is a superhero uh, theme. What we did was we uh, we mixed, you know, uh, the Black Panther, how they have that necklace across their chest. We mixed that with Fijian pattern, Fijian and Marshallese patterns, and then we just have my son's Marshallese nick, uh, nickname in the back with the number one, so it looks like a jersey, a, a rugby jersey. <laughs> love it! I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and, and then like from just from listening to how you were uh, describing it, it must take a long time to plan for this. Oh yes, I I I'm one of the weirdos that started planning when my baby was maybe three or four months old. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. I, yeah, I started purchasing um, party favors, decorations. I started planning the theme. Yes. <laughs> so that's how stressful this kind of uh celebration is. Yeah. There were there are some there are some people that would go to the extension of a year before like when the baby was just born. Sometimes people would uh, go to these farms and order a pig or four and say, "Okay, on this day this year, I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy these four pigs. Wow. So save these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And, yeah. and you had a son, but would it have been different if you had a girl? If I had a daughter, her Kamim would be actually bigger than his because this is a matrilineal society. So the girls are. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Well, yeah, more celebrated than <laughs> than the boy. That's totally different to where I come from. The boys are like the number one in the family. They are like, they oh. yeah, they get they, all the good things, and us girls miss out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come to Marshall Island. <laughs> <laughs> and um, did your parents give you one or do one for you? Oh yes, yes. Um, so I have um, an eldest brother. And then there's me. So my eldest brother also had a Kamim, but um, mine was bigger. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the TikTok group from Eddie. Put your hands together for the roses. 
Next up, we have the Backstreet Girls. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Vivian says on the baby's actual birth date, families gather at the child's house and the guests are allowed to choose objects to take home. Tell me about some stories from the Kema. Tell me about the tradition of relatives taking possessions from this. Oh, my goodness. So uh, there is, so in the midnight hour of the child's birthday, we have this term called tabadab. And what a tabadab is, is uh, when that extended family or friends come over, in the midnight hour of the child's birthday, not only do they sing and wish the child a happy birthday, they would also uh, take things. Shoes can be clothes. She says the more the guests are able to take, the more generous the family is seen. What I did was uh, I also gave them um, like sweets as well. Ramen noodles is a big thing here, so we also give them ramen noodles as well. Again, they can take whatever they want, whatever they see that's there in the house. Sometimes they would take, uh, people would take TVs. <laughs> no uh, way. Ga- gaming consoles. Oh, yes. And the largest <laughs> the one that I've heard that people have tried to take was a car. Wow. And, yeah. And... It's, it's kind of like you really can't say no <laughs> when they uh, take <laughs> when they take what they see. <laughs> but that's a that's a, a modern thing to do now, though. Oh, back okay. then, it was just like, it, yeah. Back then, it was just like people would come to the house, sing and dance, and give blessings to the child. But now they're I don't know who blessings. came up with it. Now they're taking blessings. <laughs> Yeah, now they're taking blessings. <laughs> and what what do you do when they want to take something you really need? Is it a taboo to ask for something as big as a TV or a car? So for a car, my friend actually had to politely decline and apologize fusely, saying, sorry, but we need this car because we have a family. We have to take them to school and we have to work, you know, that kind of thing. I guess if you politely uh, decline them taking your your TV or your car, it would be okay. You just have to give them something else, <laughs> I guess. Wow. Vivian says kemems in Marshallese culture are a given, and most families choose to celebrate this first year milestone. Kemems are extremely... Um, like a must, especially for firstborn, whether it's your firstborn boy or firstborn girl. Mm. And, and to not have a Kemem, well, in my family anyway, it's like, are you crazy? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, it, do, does everyone in, in, in your community do the Kemem or is it just for some people who, who can do it or can afford it? It all really depends. But I... So far here back home, I've seen a lot of people uh, go forward with the uh, the KMM. And um, those who can't really afford it, they just get out alone and 
pay back what they can. And I also, you know, like I said, extended families would also lend in money for fun, uh, funding for the KMM as well. It's clear that families are dedicated to the celebration. And there is an historical reason behind the KMM, a reason why the first birthday is the special one to celebrate. We thank you, Father God, for this great time, Father God, of celebration, Father God. Lord, we commit the life of your grandchild, Father God, that you have given to the family, the life of Christian John Savoukoroibulono. Amen, amen, amen. It comes from the term Kememit, uh, the Marshallese word for Kememit, which means to remember, because uh, back in the day there were no uh, medical doctors. So when a baby makes it to their first year, it was marked the uh, most important celebration. It was hard for a baby to survive within the first year of their life. In the 1950s, almost one in every ten babies would not live past infancy. Thankfully, this isn't the case anymore, and infant mortality rates in the Marshall Islands have significantly decreased, more than 70% since then. This has been attributed broadly to improvements in hygiene, water quality, and living conditions that have reduced the spread of infections. The availability of midwife-led care has also played a role according to the online population database, Earthly Data. And the news gets better, with infant mortality rates set to decrease even further in future. to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. So with babies being cared for and celebrated in a big way, what do Marshallist mothers do to take care of themselves in the weeks and months after giving birth to their precious baby? Because we're a matrilineal society, so the health of women is very looked after here because we view women here as the one that they carry on the line of people and the, the community. My last Billy Mon is chair of the Marshallese Studies faculty at the College of Marshall Islands. She says after giving birth, Marshallese women take part in the kakurai. So it's a, it's a traditional postpartum practice that it's been long observed by women. It's a series of herbal baths and herbal treatments and massages that women undergo and to help her reco- recover after giving birth. So what happens is, so there's a rugagrai, a woman, a practitioner. She is selected by the family and she's someone who specializes in this. 
And usually it's a mother or an aunt or a close relative, somebody very close to the to the mother. And what she does during the bathing is, you know, she just collects all the necessary plants that are needed and they're different plants and they she put them in it's it's some kind of um it's a tin and it's bucket size and they boil it inside they boil it with hot it's boiled in hot water and then after that they put it in a, a tub like a little a big tub and then the woman is just to just sit in for maybe an hour until it's all it's lukewarm until the water turns colder and in the evenings there's another step the women go through because in the evening is different they have to wrap around the pandanus the pandanus leaf around her and it's to it's kind of like a girdle so and it is to help her with her stomach to tighten the stomach the woman's stomach but Usually before the bath, while the bath is getting prepared, the practitioner goes inside with the woman and that's when she does all the massaging. So she massages her whole body and and then there's this another part where she has this special oil mixed with um, a little bit of water she's taken from the herbal bath and then she mixes it with coconut oil and she massages the woman's uterus and after all this is done then the woman will go after the, her bath is ready she will go inside alone and then just sit in her herbal bath until it's done in the morning after that then it's done but in the evening uh, she goes through the same process and then the last part is before she goes to sleep the practitioner will wrap the pandanus leaves that had been prepared for her and that had the pounded pandanus leaves and then it's it's supposed to be also another medicinal factor i think uh, i'm not sure if that's the right word but and then she wraps it around the woman's belly you know to help also the belly to heal while they're tightening it wow that's amazing my last says some women go through this process for a month and others for longer if they have a girl. And she says there are certain taboos that come with the kakurai, rules to follow to ensure it remains sacred. And some taboos in Marshallese, they call them mo, and it varies. Uh, the most significant ones are a woman, if she's going through these treatment treatments she shouldn't be eating with someone who's menstruating she shouldn't be with her husband even if it's just sleep next to her husband nothing is going on she shouldn't and another one is they need to be careful of where they walk not to step on any feces even if it's human or animal just make sure they steer clear from anywhere that they would step on if there there is on the ground <laughs> but these are the most um the, the three significant ones that usually they are advised heavily not to 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 follow when they're going through this mm, interesting and why are women stigmatized if they don't go through this process and tradition 
Um, some women. Well, this is this is all just anecdotal, and women would always say, "Oh, she she didn't go through it because she wants to be, you know, an American woman or a Westernized woman, and you know, to." you know, completely ignore all her traditions and all the customs that we are accustomed to. Or she just wants, she's not proud to be Marshallese and things like that. But some women would say, because they, because, they, you know, having gone through the process, they think that it helps them to be clean and be healthy. And then when some women don't go through this process, they see them as, you know, unclean because they never really gone through the process and it's supposed to clean you and it's supposed to help you in the long in the long run in the future to to be healthy. And then if they see a woman who's having uh who's pregnant and keeps having babies after babies, even if the babies have just been born a few months old and they get pregnant again, they'll say, that's because her uterus wasn't massaged. And now it's open, then she's easily getting pregnant. I'll, otherwise, you know, if she had gone through it and she would have had her uterus massage, it would have helped her to heal for a year or two. And then her body would have been ready to have another child. But then she's just having babies right after the other. And then she's not giving her body time to heal. Mm. And how much has this practice changed with modern time? I've spoken with a lot of women and they've said it's changed a lot, especially the practitioners. Uh, I, I had a separate talk with the practitioners and they say, you know, we know it's changing because a lot of women are working now. So we have to adjust to their schedule. So it's kind of hard for them. Some women, especially the women who have um, much are in the lower positions, who don't have a lot of time or a lot of power to say, can I take a month off? So they can only take two weeks off. So they have to really, they, they have, they can just go through it for two weeks. And then there are these other women who cannot. So they say they prepare some kind of, um, medicinal douche that they can take with them and insert it, insert it inside of them and they sit on it the whole day. But then the thing is for them is it's, that's when the taboos come into play their life. But the thing is, if we want to, we want them to do this, they have to be really careful because they're at work. They don't know who's going to, you know, come in contact with them. If it's someone who's menstruating, they will be walking everywhere. What if they bring in a food for them during lunch to eat and they don't know who cooked it? That person might have been menstruating, but they're eating the food. So it, they notice these things because they it gets harder for them to try to find adjustments to help these women who want to go through the process, but it's hard for them because of their jobs. And then there are these other women who who said, because I'm over here where we live in Majuro, it's a, it's a, a bit more populated, so its houses are right next to each other. So there is no space for them because usually when they go through this, there's a special little house that is built, and that house is where she 
desert bath. And it's a little further away and it's supposed to be secluded. Nope. Because this is a private, like a family private matter. And they shouldn't be seeing this woman for a month while she's going through it. But then it doesn't really work well here nowadays. There's been a lot of adjustments and it's, and they cannot help it. It's, it's just according to the, it's just based on the available resources they have here and times are changing. So there's been a lot of changes. Very interesting. And how much does uh, it support mom? taking care of the newborn? Oh, there's a lot of support. But then that that too has been changing because a lot of women now, they're living alone with their husbands and just their family. But before when we, all the families used to live together as a community, they would have a lot of support. But I, I can say that they still, because even if, even if, um, that is happening, like you go to the hospital, you don't see just two women. You see a group of women standing outside the delivery room while some women are inside. So it's still there, but there's limitations because of the hospital and, and because of the, just the living situations now and the expense of life now, especially living here in the capital city. Uh, whereas if it was the outer islands, it would have been a lot more support. But I, I think I can say that there there is still a lot of support when it comes to new moms because their mothers, their aunties will still be there to help, help her out. Because during this time, even the... During this time, the woman is in ship. Her main job is just to rest, go through the process, and feed the baby when the baby's hungry. But everyone else is assigned a job to do. There's the little sisters or the other cousins to help her babysit, look after the baby. There's the aunties and mother, the mom and grandmoms to help her with preparing the food. And there's the husband's family also helping out and there's there there was all these different roles that everyone had when there's a woman who just gave birth that's a wonderful tradition it has been fascinating to hear about the Marshall Islands taboos and traditions because some are similar to my culture Where I come from in Papua New Guinea, men are also supposed to stay away from women after birth, as it is with the Kakurai. Learning from Vivian and my last about their customs has given me a greater sense of appreciation for our connected Pacific cultures as women. Thank you so much to both of them. And thank you for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk where we get your podcasts. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk... 
What do you know about perimenopause and menopause? I would guess not very much. And that's because we never speak about it. But perhaps we should. You know, women's responsibilities are cross-cutting. They have the roles and responsibilities to play at home as grandmothers, as wives, as aunties, as daughters, as professionals. Menopause affects women mentally, socially, and economically. That's why it's very important that we talk about menopause openly. It should become a public matter of discussion, and we should not be ashamed to talk about it, because this is life. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production presented by me, Hilda Wayne. Our producer is Alice Matthews, supervising producer is Kim Lester, and Falianga Fulu, Inga Stunsna, is our executive producer. Sisters Let's Talk is created on Wiradjuri, Nanobol, Nambri, Yagura, Torobol, and Darunbol country. And we pay our respects to elders past and present. Emtasol na bungi next time. <laughs>